You're listening to Time to Talk. Deftones, hello. Hello, Tim. Can you hear me? I can. I can. Are you on speaker or are you talking directly into the phone? I've got my headphones in, honey. Is that bad? Should I take them out? Mm, it's not the best. I can definitely hear you, but it, on, the quality's frustrating. Okay, let's try it without. Let me try it without. Okay. All right. So that's not better then. Oh, that's a thousand times better. Can you hear me oh, it okay? Is. Perfect. Perfect. Well, hello, Tim. I am a new fan. I just came across your um, YouTube channel like literally two days ago. So I like what I see and uh, thank you for having me. Deftones, welcome to the show. It's absolutely lovely to have you on. I know you've left a few comments underneath some of our podcasts, which has been fantastic. And I know that you want to talk about all the conversation we've been having about Kylie Kylie versus Madonna, Madonna versus Kylie, Madonna versus the world, Madonna versus every other female artist. But listen, I happen to know that you're a big Britney fan and her book is just on the cusp of being released. They're starting to release for little bombshells as a preview. Are you excited about the book? Honey, I've had it pre-ordered for three weeks. Excited is an understatement. Um, what I'm upset about though, Tim, I'll be honest, I'm upset about the leaks. I don't I, I feel like if, if, if you're a diehard, right, and you've been with her since, the, I've been with her since the very beginning. If you've been with Britney since the very beginning and you're a diehard and we're not getting any new music at this time, this is the next best thing. And honey, for, for, for the media to um, leak the story about why she shaved her head and the story about her and Justin um, is, is just very, I don't know. It's, it's, it's upsetting to me because I wanted to read that as a fan on my own. I, I didn't, you know, now, I wanted to be, you Deftones, know. I, I have to say, I don't want to accuse you of naivety, but they're not leaks, my friend. They are deliberate previews that the management team, that the marketing team are putting out there. So it's oh. all part of the strategy, you see. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't like the strategy. How about that? I agree with you. I agree. I'd rather just pick up the book and go <gasps> on every right. page myself rather than have it in. Uh, what do you reckon about this concept, though, of, of someone writing a book and telling their story, which is, you know, a very privileged and wonderful thing to do? But there are others. So Justin Timberlake, for example, right. we never would have known that, you know, he um, is grieving the loss of a child or has grieved the loss of a child. Uh, it intersects with other people's stories. Is that a problem? It's not a problem for me. I can see. I can see it being a problem for others. It's not going to be a problem for me because this is her story. This is her memoir. I just really, truly hope that once this drops, she has a good team, a good support system. We have not seen that recently via her Instagram. Some of them have been alarming. Um, so I just really, truly hope Brittany has some kind of um support once this book drops next week next week because honey the backlash is anything Brittany does comes with backlash so it's like i i can just i can sense that there's going to be so much negativity um come next week and i just really hope she has oh honey i just really hope she has a good support system it's the first time i've ever heard a britney diehard fan say that they are alarmed by her behavior. It doesn't seem to matter what Britney does. That can't Britney be fans true, will say, that's normal. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's just what she does. Britney is a vulnerable person, and you're the first fan I've heard to say that you are alarmed by some of the stuff that she's put out. Is she strong enough to release 
this book and tolerate and be resilient to the inevitable backlash and the noise. No, and what's that's funny. That's so funny that you say that because, listen, I, I mean, we're, there's so many Brady fans who you know who say they're diehards and 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 um, but you have to call a spade a spade, Tim. Those the the videos the videos are kind of alarming, and I'm not talking about the. Um, I'm talking about while she was still with Sam, like some of the stuff that she would post would just be um, very alarming. And this is before the knives incident. Um, and it's funny that you say that I'm the first person to say that they uh, feel alarmed because, honey, everybody here in Florida, uh, I mean, at least the gay circles that I, I'm in, all of us are all of us are worried. All of us are worried and all of us are mega fans. I think it's one thing for a celebrity to release an an autobiography on their own terms, right? I get that, and I really respect that. Brittany has every right to do it. I'm certainly not diminishing that. But she's a lady who needs a lot of care and a lot of protection. She's come out and said she needed a lot of therapy to even write this book or to contribute to it. She obviously hasn't penned it directly herself. The moment the world starts to contradict her story or even vaguely question the timeline or question her recollections. For somebody as vulnerable as Brittany, I would have thought that is going to be devastating. And don't tell me that there's not going to be a Justin or a dad or a family member or someone or a kid. One of her children might come out and say, no, that story is just not right. What's that going to do to her? Yes. You you are speaking – I wish you were – like I wish you were here with – with uh, her Florida fans, her, her local Florida, uh, because I, I feel like so many of us um, feel the same exact way and the sa- and share the same sentiments that you're saying. Well, she's got into Twitter wars or Instagram wars with her sister over basic stuff, yet alone huge stories like this. Do you reckon she should do a big interview with someone like Oprah? No, because she's not ready, honey. And, and Tim, you, you know that. Um, I can sense that you're all kind of on the same page with me here as far as feelings um towards this whole thing with britney but no she's not ready for that she she is not ready for a a tell-all sit down and and honestly i heard that she was gonna um make like she scored like 15 to 20 million this is allegedly let me put the allegedly she's she's scoring 15 to 20 million up front this this has nothing to do with book sales this um so so honey like why does she really even need to do a, a an oprah or a um you know, somebody, somebody on that scale. Why, why would she need to when she's going to make a, a pretty penny on just the uh, uh, book? This is not even on sales. And you know the gays are going to show out. Um, you know the gays are going to show out and make this book number one. So I really don't think that she needs to do it because, honey, her her fan base is ready. We're, we're all ready and the book is pre-ordered and, and she does not need to do any type of interviews, any type of publicity. She might be contractually obligated. The number one selling autobiography in history was Harry's Spare, which was released not so long ago. And Ooh. one could one could argue that that did not do him any favours. Mm. She's going to be talking about that conservatorship too, isn't she? I can't wait. I can't wait, Tim. Um, that's the big. The that's the biggest. And I hope to God that there's no more um, stuff that drops about that said period of her life um because that's the most fascinated um and i think the i think the majority of us are right you know the the majority of us want to know what what her what her side is on 2007 through 2009 
um, I, yeah, I can't wait. I previously have spoken about my objection to the people that were part of the Free Britney movement, okay? Mm-hmm. And let me just explain a little bit about that. I, I okay. objected to it because people are not put into care and protection for no you know, a weak reason. There's a really strong reason. The people that march down the streets chanting Free Britney with their pink cardboard slogans, right? they really got under my skin because there was yes. a lot of stuff that they didn't know, sealed yes. in documents they still don't know. But, yes. uh, and yet they were saying, basically it was almost like saying somebody shouldn't be uh, getting medical treatment to me. It was a, it was akin to that because she was under a conservative ship for her own safety. Were you a part of the Free Britney movement? No, Tim, and I'm so, so happy that you were on the outside looking in as I was, as many of us were. You know, the Free Britney movement is just a small percentage of Britney fans. I am a realist, Tim. We have no idea. Uh, we have no idea how that situation went down. And even when the book drops, we're still only going to know her side of it. We are not going to know if that's the 100% truth, the validity of what really went down. We're just going well, to know actually, her side. If, if you don't mind me interrupting you, we do no, know okay, something. Go ahead. For example, one thing we do know as fact is that when she was a parent and had parental responsibility of children, she was involved in a siege where police could not get into her house where she was the parent. That must have been terrifying for those children. But again, I'm I still don't we don't know like <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying to skate on ice because I really don't want people to be like, he's not a Britney fan. He's but I'm really trying to put this in PC terms. Just shoot <laughs> straight from the hip. I don't want yeah. any PC crap. Okay, well here here it goes. I, I love her. Uh, she, she, she is like, um, I was too young for, um, Madonna's first, uh, decade. Right. So I missed uh, Brittany. I grew, I literally grew up, uh, Brittany was our Madonna for, for my, um, from my generation. So I'm going to say it. You're right. Just shoot from the hip. Honey, we don't know. I, I feel like Britney Spears fans might owe Jamie Spears an apology. Um, and you guys can at me and come at me or whatever. I, I'm used to it. Um, but it's just the simple truth. We have no idea if this woman really should be completely free, like 100% free the way she, we have no idea. And honey, it's not. Well, can I just say, hold on, please, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold well, on. No, no, I need to clarify this point. I really do. Okay. okay. Let's not talk about freedom. It's about care well, and protection. It's not about freedom. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Does she have care and protection? It doesn't look like it to me. Um, exactly. It doesn't look like it. And yet the Free She's... Britney movement was all about removing the care and protection that experts, doctors, medical yes. professionals, psychiatrists, a whole care team, including- I see where you're going. Uh, they put a care and protection order in place for her, and yet people marched down the street. Now, look, does that mean that people weren't taking advantage of her? Probably they were. Probably the dad wasn't being completely. But I don't know all the facts. What I do know is that as a parent, she placed those children in some unsafe situations. And the second thing I know is care and protection orders are only put in place when someone is at risk of causing harm to either themselves or to others. So if you're right. a Britney fan and you're saying get her out of that conservatorship without knowing exactly why she's in it, you are a disgrace. 
100% agreed. And I'm so happy. I, I was scared that you were going to feel the exact opposite and attack me for my uh, my opinions, but I'm so happy. I don't that attack people, Deftones. That's not my style. I pre- I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page. Um, you're right, though. Yeah, I, I said that incorrectly. We shouldn't talk about her actual free. Of course, she should be free. But yes, there she. this is now abandoning, like you said, all of the care that she had in place. All uh, um, she at this point now she could she just takes their opinions. She doesn't have to listen to them. She doesn't have to go to therapy. She doesn't have to be on medication. So yeah, it, it's a very scary time um, to be a Britney Spears fan. We 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 cannot we can't deny that. As much as we love her, it's it's a very scary time um, now, right now. I want to make sure that I declare I am a Britney fan as well. A huge oh, I know. one. I actually I know. adore I saw her. Pro- I think she's the sweetest. She's the sweetest, loveliest girl. She really is. I, I wish I was in her life. I'd love to wrap my arms around her. She she really scares and upsets me, actually, even as I think about it now. She needs uh, so much beauty and compassion in her life. But yes. I am a Britney fan who can be real and say this is a lady who has extreme problems with relationship to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if clinically she has reactive attachment disorder because she has sabotaged every relationship in her life would that be fair to say i would be 100 percent fair to say uh, i feel the same yeah i feel the same and all we can do tim and this situation is just oh support her from afar and just my god just hope that she can get a really good support system going here and uh it's It's funny though that you and i have all these concerns but we'll both be reading the book i don't know how i feel about myself about that ethically i'm challenged did you buy it? I'll be buying it. I haven't got. Do you know why I don't pre-order things? Just as a complete aside, I don't pre-order things because every time I bloody well pre-order a phone or a book or something I really want, I end up getting it after everybody else. So I'm, oh. I refuse to pre-order anymore. It's like everyone else rushes to the shops and gets theirs, and mine is still on its way according to the tracking. So no, I don't pre-order, my friend. But I will be reading it on day one. But the main reason you got in touch was, of course. Uh, stemming from a conversation we have with Sonny, or as many people call him, Gloomy, um, because he had some terrible things to say about our Kylie Minogue. Was it terrible? Was it terrible, Tim? Well, uh, is calling somebody a second-rate Madonna, um, basically. Yes, honey, that was was a poor choice of words uh, on his part, yes. Well, you know, I just thought robbing Kylie of her own identity was a little bit below the belt. But, I mean, you've listened to Sonny. I'll give you a free kick here. What did you make of the whole conversation where he was basically saying Madonna is Jesus and the rest of the world are disciples? I mean, he didn't lie lie about most of it. Uh, He did use a poor choice of words to um, say Kylie is a poor man's Madonna when, honey, Kylie... You know, you saw my comment. I'm not going to, you know, rehash it, but Kylie's Kylie's in a, her own lane. They're in two different lanes. Um, but overall, I thought that, um, he, you know, he had a little extra sass um, towards certain comments that he made. But he, I mean, he didn't really tell many lies, though, did he? He just kind of was really harsh about his delivery. You're a mega Madonna fan. The argument or the criticism is that Madonna fans, not Madonna, but her fans are misogynists who will attack any female artist who comes anywhere near Madonna's records or, you know, her success. Is it true? 
Are you no, a misogynist? I'm laughing. I don't know if you can hear me in the background laughing, but yes, none of that is true. Um, here's the thing. Every, and, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to just, you know, take this away from Madonna, but I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be honest and blunt. Show me one female fan base or, or not even just show me one female artist that has a fan base that does, that their fans are at some point nasty towards another diva. You can always find individuals within a fan group, but there sure. is something different. I'm, I'm going to call you on it. There is something okay. very different about the Madonna fan base. They are particularly vicious, and I know that because I've experienced it for the past two weeks. Who are we vicious to? Who are we vicious to? Anybody who dares to speak in a way that they perceive to be negative about Madonna. If anyone who listens to my podcast knows I'm overwhelmingly positive about her, right. yet I've been viciously attacked, and the things that they, they say are unbelievable. So do you not agree that Madonna's fan base is particularly nasty? A hundred percent disagree. If you want to talk about nasty, let's talk about the little monsters. Let's talk about Taylor Swift's fans. Let's talk about uh, pr pretty much those two. Everybody else's fan base seems pretty chill overall. Um, Go on, enlighten me. What? Tell me about Madonna, the little monsters. Madonna fans can be nasty. Yes, you have a point. Yes, they can be vicious. Uh, and yes, they can be in full attack mode. But again, like I have to double down here, Tim. What what fan base doesn't have their nasty stands? Doesn't have their nasty diehards where the queen is just the queen and nobody else can uh there's only room for her there's no room so yeah i mean you have those crazy nutty diehards but i i sure disagree with you on the front that madonna fans over you you said anybody that's the keyword right there you said anybody is is willing to um be vicious when it comes to if they feel like they're they're attacking our queen and i don't I, I you're speaking to a small percentage of of uh madonna fans um not all of us are like that and um I would really hey, love... Hey, Deftones. Huh? Deftones, can I ask you a question? Are yes. you one of the nastier Madonna fans? Um, I can be. I can be, yes. One of uh, your posts, of course, says, hey, let's Tim, run it back. no one is... Let's run it back. No one is jealous of Kylie Minogue and her 1,000-person <laughs> capacity-only <laughs> concerts. There's a little Ooh. bit of sass there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go Tim, on. Where's the lie? What did you, Tim? Tim, where's the lie? Where's, where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Kylie where's doesn't lie? work in one thousand person. Oh, if you're talking about the Vegas shows, but I mean, she's sold yes, out honey, arenas around the world. You tried it, honey. Honey, you tried it with the whole. I I heard the whole interview twice, sir. You tried it with Sunny with the whole. How does it feel when? Uh, you, to know that Madonna hasn't sold out her shows. Well, honey, Madonna's performing in 20,000 uh, 20, capacity arenas when your girl's performing in a local somebody's local basement where you would see, honey, I, yeah. I, know, local, I know local bands from my high school that perform in <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> capacities that are well above 1,000. This is a, cho a choice. It's not that she can't sell out more mm -hmm. than 1,000. This is a choice. Madame mm -hmm. X was in small venues too. That Why was would you choose, Tim? No, hold on, Tim. If it's a choice, and it surely is, why would you choose to play in a, a in, in, in a shockingly small, small venue that is like a house, that's like a house band type of... Uh... You, you have just exposed your ignorance of Kylie history right there. <laughs> because Kylie is, is absolutely famous 
for loving the intimacy. All right. And uh, do you want an education here, Deftones? Yeah, I'll let's give you do one. It. Let's do it. Started back in about 97, 98 with the uh, intimate and live shows. Now, could Kylie have done bigger stadiums at that point? Absolutely. What did she want to do? Connect with her fans. Um, what did she do when she did the anti-tour, which I advise you to go and look up because it's something Madonna should consider doing. She wanted to connect with her fans in small venues. She wanted the intimacy. The same with the Vegas residency, my friend, and I would argue the same concept with Madame X. So Madonna has also done the same thing. It just seems that you've missed the point of the smaller venues. No, Tim, I feel like I, I feel like I didn't miss the point. I feel like you're just making excuses for your girl that she can't. Um, she has to do small, very small, personal venues. I I know All she right, can't. So I know she can't do. Really hold on, hold on, hold on. I know she can't do. Uh, she won't sell out arenas in the U.S., honey, because no, barely anybody knows her here. Uh, and her the Tension album reflects that. It spent one week. Madonna's not selling one out week. arenas in the U.S. There's tickets left in every single city. Madonna's not selling out arenas in the US, my friend. Have you been on Madonna.com lately? There's, yes, there I is have. not a single. Yes, no, I there's, have, let, 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 let the listeners know the truth. There's not a single stadium sold out in the US. Not yet, honey, at least. Key, you just said the key word, Tim, stadium. Your girl's playing in a basement. Of course, her tickets are going to sell out. There's only 1,000 seats in that basement. She Why are you it. so jealous of Kylie at the moment? Oh my God, Tim! I barely even know this girl. She's a local legend for you guys. She's local in Australia, like Sunny said, honey. She's a global we, legend. She is, honey, She's a global that, legend. Honey, trick or treat is not for another two weeks. Let's not let's not pretend this is Halloween. The US is not the be all and end all. Do you, I want you to get an atlas and look up abroad, honey? Where is she big at besides a couple countries in the UK? You tell me. Where is she big at besides Australia, obviously, clearly, her home, you know, her home country, and a few other countries in the UK? Where is she big at? Is it is the jealousy that I'm hearing because Padam Padam <laughs> infiltrated TikTok? Is that what's going on? First of all, Padam Padam, Padam was a smash, honey. There ain't no jealousy here. I loved it, ate it up for several weeks. Do you wish Madonna had recorded it? No, honey, I, I think this is good for your, you. This is good for you guys. This, you guys needed this. Um, you guys really need this. She hasn't we had a needed this, one. did we? Yes, honey, because she hasn't had a number one hit in 22 years. Um, so that you guys really needed this as a fan base. Like, yes, she's still relevant. Um, but um, yeah, Tension is ba- as a banger. I've listened to like 10 different remixes. Freaking love it. Um, story's good. Um, love. I mean, who doesn't love Hold On To Now? Um, but I, I have to touch, see, the difference between me and Sonny is I actually listened to the whole Tension album a couple of times um, through Spotify, listened to the whole thing, even the extended version. Honey, some of the extended version is better than <laughs> Heavenly Body and Water and a couple other tracks I heard. I was like, whoa, how how did these not end up on the album when they were better than well, like You are a person of very fine taste. This is this is Thank one you. redeeming feature, Deftones. Thank you, Tim. But I'm still not, we're still, I'm still not going to... We're not going to pretend like Kylie's a, a global phenomenon, honey. We, we can't pretend. It's not Halloween yet. It's not Halloween yet. This is much more about you being isolated within the United States and thinking that if it doesn't happen there, that it's not happening in anywhere else in the globe. And this but is Tim, beyond... you still haven't answered my question. Down. You still have not answered... I said, where is Kylie big outside of Australia and a couple of countries when, and you still cannot tell me where else she's big at? 
You can't. Death tones, you're mad. You're absolutely mad. You just need to go and look it up. She is big in probably every (laughs) single territory. She's huge in Asia. She's huge in Europe. She's She's huge huge in Asia. Hold on. Hold on. Because I'm about to pull the tension charts. Hold on. You're going to pull the tension charts. She bombed in Asia. Hold on, because I'm about to pull the receipts. I can tell you, I've been there since the beginning, my friend. She is big in Asia. You want to go to Asia and see Kylie walking through an airport? That's your proof. Numbers don't don't lie. You don't need a number one album. Tension has bombed everywhere outside of the UK and Australia. It didn't even crack the top 20 in the US. I mean, it's a, I, it's a silly it, it's a silly metric you're applying there. It's absolutely ridiculous. So therefore, when wherever Madame X tanked, are you saying that by your own definition here that Madonna isn't big in those territories or known? No, we're not talking about Madame X. We're talking about tension. If she is the global phenomenon that you say she is, uh, the uh, truly her fans would have showed out, and they just didn't. Uh, outside of the UK and Australia, they just that just didn't happen. Um, we can talk about Madame X being a failure. I know you tried to do that with Sonny, and he skated right past it. Like I'm gonna skate right past it with this statement. I didn't love it. Uh, it wasn't for me. Uh, she she it was an experimental choice that she made. Uh, good for her. I didn't see the tour. I uh, I don't even have I I didn't even have the album. Um, oh my God, Madonna fans are going to kill me for that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I'm not really, I mean, all I know is that like, she could be, she can be a global phenomenon, like you say, but she's, it it seems like an of the past type of thing. Um, and that she kind of had to be, she kind of had to be reduced to performing in Vegas. What about respect? What about it? Is is, is there a clear standout between the two there of who has global respect? Like overall as an artist? Absolutely. Like Oh, it's hands down Madonna. That's a silly question. I, I can't even believe you're um you would You don't think that Madonna that. is, you know, a little bit of a laughing stock at times? Um, with the plastic surgery, sure. Um, you know, that was very alarming for all of us. But um no, I think overall, of course, Madonna is respected overall as an artist globally what has um i hate to repeat what sunny says i hate to repeat what sunny says but what have what has kylie given us besides um can't get you out of my head um that was like i don't know that would make the whole the whole world respect her as an artist and you know revere her what what has she done oh i can answer that joy acceptance diversity light love Compassion, empathy, you know, whereas Madonna, who I also love, if you went onto the streets and asked her, what has Madonna given you? Well, I think a lot of people would use the word desperation, um, not understanding her own limits, (laughs) not accepting who she is. One of those artists knows exactly who she is and the other one doesn't. Oh, my God. You are not a Madonna fan. Um, Wow. I've been with her since the beginning, my friend. How could you make such a statement like that? Madonna is very confused with her identity. And just like Britney, that doesn't mean I'm less of a fan. She's confused with her identity or she just wants to feel young and youthful again. Honey, you tell me, if you were were 65 years old and you had the money to get plastic surgery. Now, granted, that first... That first couple sets that she came back with was was truly um, disastrous. But I saw the highlights from London's lo- the first three nights. She looks great. So what? She wants to look young and youthful again. What? Who would if you had the money to spend? 
would you want to would you just stay looking old and uh wrinkly and uh and, or would you want to would you spend the money to have a fresh face and look good i don't you can't blame her at all for that she has the money she looks fantastic i've i've never criticized madonna for you know whatever she does to her appearance not once but there's that's a symptom of a deeper issue madonna has a very confused identity she has a sense of panic and always has even when she was in her 30s that was the first time i identified it this race against time, which must be very deeply rooted to the death of her mother. I did not know you were a man of many hats, Tim. This is exciting. You're a podcaster and also a psychiatrist. I did yes, not know well, I can diagnose you if you want. Um, I, it starts with J and ends with S. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love but, her. Um, I, and this is the thing. And you just did. You just practiced exactly what I see from Madonna fans all the time. I said something what was that? a little bit negative about Madonna or that you perceive to be negative. And all of a sudden, you're not a fan. Because you act like you know her personally, like you are her doctor and her therapist on payroll. You are her psychiatrist that you can sit here and say she has a, uh, she's confused about her identity or, she, you know, she's whatever you were saying it's just you Death don't times, know her. be honest the, the be real, honest do, do you think none that, of us know her do you think that she's confused about her identity do you think she worries about who she is and her legacy no 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 not at all not at all she the if she wants she just wants to feel youthful again she wants if she, she is just wants to look and feel her very best and if that means Going through some plastic surgery, that's what's, and then so be it. But no, I don't think she's confused about a damn thing. I think that you're just c- kind of confused and want to make this narrative because I don't know, Ky- Kylie's coming out of the woodwork uh, with a new album. <laughs> Kylie has been around the since 1987. She's, she's finally come onto Deftones' radar, everyone. This is a very exciting moment. Kylie is honey, coming honey, out of the woodwork. That's very, very true. I All right, help me work on the solution. Before we part ways, um, how do we how do we solve this? Because we don't want Kylie fans and Madonna fans to be at war and hurling conical bras at one another. We don't want that to happen. Um, well, the resolution has already um, taken place. Kylie is um, doing her local show in uh, Vegas, and Madonna's uh, performing in arena. So there's <laughs> there's really no resolving it. You know, Kylie, like I said uh, earlier, Kylie's in her lane. Madonna's in hers. We, we shouldn't compare them. We should never compare them. Uh, oh, Madonna give me a fans. break. No, no, no. You told me you're a straight shooter, and now you're saying we shouldn't compare them when you've just spent 25 minutes doing so. I know, but we really shouldn't. Well, we did, I didn't compare them, did I? Or I just talked about. I just talked about. Them. Well, you might have to listen back. I think there was quite yeah. a bit of comparison and contrast. When's it going to drop so I can uh, run it back? I'm looking forward to you listening to it. But I mean, look, yeah. I, I also just don't agree with that concept. A lot of people are saying that don't compare them. Don't compare them. Don't. Well, that, I, like Jay Z said, I'm offended when you. Like Jay Z said, I'm offended when you compare me to anybody. That's that's how that Madonna's. Uh, well above Jay Z, <laughs> so that's well. That's Jay Z is Jay Z is asking for the human species to completely do an about turn. You know, since the beginning of time, we have compared and contrasted the people that we respect and admire. It will always happen. It's natural, and anyone who says that we shouldn't be doing it isn't damn fool.
Well, I mean, I, I, what I would like for our next meeting, Tim, because this didn't happen tonight and we're going to part ways, I would like to get that Gaga stand that's in your comments um, that was trashing uh, Madonna fans. That's what I, uh, maybe we can get him. Maybe we can get like a, um, a three-way conversation. I would love to talk to that person. So, look, it sounds like we're not going to resolve all this for Deftones, but it's, it's been interesting talking to you, though. Well, let's get get me on. Well, let's get me on the uh, Britney podcast when we do the book. Once the Britney book drops, we'll get you back on. Hopefully, with a few other fans, and we can talk about the revelations. And um, do all you do all you Sounds can, Deftones, to av- do all you can to avoid the spoilers in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, yes, you too, sir. You too. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me. Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. Leave Brittany alone! Please! <laughs> well, g'day. Don't just stand there. Come on in. How are you? Welcome to the fortress. Can I offer you a cup of tea? Oh, sorry, you've brought your own. Plastic. Shouldn't be doing that. Hey, there's so much going on in the world of pop culture isn't there at the moment Britney's book Britney's book it's about to come out any moment and I'm terrified to read it are you terrified to read it I any other autobiography you know written by a ghostwriter I'm more than excited about but with Britney I genuinely worry that she won't be able to be resilient to the fallout because inevitably people say that's not how it happened. That's not how it was. And I don't think Brittany can just let that go. I think it would really pierce her soul. And I think it could do her damage. So I'm worried about it. And and then if I'm going to be very selfish and think only about myself, it puts me in an ethical dilemma. Because every time I flip the page in this book, I feel like I'm reading something maybe I shouldn't be. Why am I contributing to this? Why am I creating a market for it? And then, I'm so proud of Madonna. I feel like this celebration tour is just, like, don't get me wrong, it's spectacular. But there's a humility about it. There's, unlike what I thought might happen, and you can go back and listen to some of the predictions we made, I've been totally wrong. She is not trying to be outrageous. She's paying homage to herself, but she is not being outrageous for the point of being outrageous at all. She's just doing what she's always done, and she's doing it bloody well. I'm so proud of Madonna. There's something about her at the moment, some acceptance, humility. I, I, I'm not really getting my words right, but there is something different about her, and I couldn't be prouder. I'm so, so happy for her, and she's just going to be able to make her way around the world doing this show, and doing it bloody well, and wowing the fans. And how happy are you? How happy are you? I see these photos um, outside the stadium, inside the stadium, during the show, after the show, and they fill my heart with love. You know, you've got your arms around one another, and you're there. You know you're at you know you're at a a historical event and 
Love is love is love is love. It's it's beautiful. And for those of you who are going the extra mile and sending me messages about what you thought of a show and pictures and photos and videos and audio clips, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It makes me feel like I'm part of it, even though I'm on the other side of the world. Hey, and this weekend, guess what we have to be excited about? The Tension remixes have dropped. Uh, you know, there's I think there's four. We Did we already have an extended mix? I think we did. I think we already had like the longer version, which is like, but whatever, who cares? But we've got four remixes. Look, uh, they are perfectly done in the sense that no matter what type of fan you are, you're going to have one of these remixes is going to stand out for you. I have never been someone who's a fan of like that harder edge pop. Like as soon as you put an electric guitar into a piece of pop music, I'm probably gone except for maybe the beginning of Like a Prayer, which, by the way, did you know that um, Prince played that? You know that opening electric guitar? Prince played that. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, there's some harder versions of the Tension song here, but for me, you can probably guess the Chromio remix. Ah, beautiful. I love it. I wish I could play it for you, but then the podcast gets pinged with copyright i really would love us to listen to it together if you haven't do yourself a favor go and listen to that it's amazing and of course though on the other hand not to be a debbie downer but she's gone and released the behind the scenes footage of the tension video kylie does this every bloody time and i'm sick of it i wish she wouldn't do it what's the point of pouring millions of dollars and so many hours of labor of love into a project to create an illusion, only to then shatter the illusion. What's the point? I don't understand it. I, I'm totally pissed off. Did I watch it? Yes. All right. Yes, I did. Does that make me a hypocrite? Absolutely it does. And you can write to me and you can tell me, Tim, you're a bloody hypocrite. You'd be right. My kids hate me for it because if we're into a, a show, for example, oh, I don't know, Wentworth, for example, back in the day, I refuse to watch the interviews with the cast members. I don't want to see what they're really like. In Wentworth, everyone's a hideous character. Everyone's snarling and angry and about to die. I don't want to see the actress sitting there on some sort of actor's chair with their hands there and their pretty nails, smiling, talking about how much research they put into the part. What's the point? Breaking Bad is another one. My son is determined for me to watch Brian Cranston doing some parody of Breaking Bad at his birthday party. And it's like, why? I love the world of Breaking Bad. Why would I want to see that it isn't real? I want to live in a world where I'm in delusion, all right? That's the whole point of pop culture. I'm in a land of delusion and I like it and I want to stay here. I've got too much bloody hard reality in my day-to-day. -day. I want to be in a land of delusion. And talking about my son, I have to share this. Ever since he was a little boy, wearing his shorts too high and a little shirt... <laughs> running around look i've never been that type of parent to let my children win i refuse i'm very joan crawford on this matter very joan crawford indeed so I, I, always playful always playful but no i won't let them win for the sake of winning and i've got a whole rant about that you know giving every child an award and every child a prize and telling every child they're the best at everything i won't go off on that tangent but I'm telling you, after a lifetime of not letting him win, I you probably know, last podcast I was in Newcastle, where my son um, is studying, and 
we went out and we played pool. Now, this was a surreal experience, and he wouldn't know because I haven't shared this with him. But it was very close, very tight, and he was pretty much smashing me. I caught up. I was in front. There was only the black ball left. He still had to sink one of his and then the black ball. So I'd edged them in front. Now, this is all a bit of a, you know, typical father-son story so far, except for the fact that, and I can say this because he, he doesn't listen. He always says, yeah, yeah Dad, I, li I listen to the podcast. I listen to it. He doesn't, and he'll never hear this. But over to the right of the pool table, with a beer in her hand, was his girlfriend. Now this was the most unusual experience because right from the beginning, right from the moment that we broke the balls, she was pumping that beer in the air every time he did something great, going, yes, yes. I'm looking over there thinking, what the hell is going on? I've had a lifetime of smashing this boy in everything we do, mocking him, goading him, gaslighting him. That's just what I do. And all of a sudden, I was part of a trio. I think they even high-fived at times. I was completely out there, like an island, all on my own, an island in the stream. And he and her exchanging looks, and me with my cue stick, thinking, what the hell? And all of a sudden, I was outnumbered. And it was a strange experience. Wasn't that dynamic completely changes once they get a girlfriend? And um, yes, I have to admit it must have thrown me because you wouldn't believe you had to you had to be there. It would have been one of the most viral moments ever. It was setting up and I was the black ball was on the absolute cusp and I went and I missed it. And then he sunk his last ball and then the black ball which I'd set up right on the on the cusp. So. I lost. I was thrown off by the girlfriend. Hugging each other when they won. Oh, good job, baby. Good job, baby. Oh, God. Anyway, that's my world. What's your world been like? Hey, Kim, as always, you were listening to the show. Hi, Tim. <laughs> and the listeners, I just have to say I was just listening to your episode where Nathan again was talking about streaming and <laughs> I can't stop laughing because then you Tim said it's an aging single man who comes home with a dog in his lap and just wants to put the needle on it everything correct I have a dog in my lap and I just want to put a needle on it um, but you said something about a lava lamp I don't have a lava lamp but everything else was correct so it was so funny. I just had to share this with the world. <laughs> Take care. Oh, Kim, you are a very, very great friend of the show. Thank you for sending that in. Now, remember, this is your show. This is the fortress for all of us who are keeping pop culture alive, Okay, which is getting harder and harder every week. So please do contribute. I always say this, but pull out your phone. It has an audio memo app. I'm amazed at how many people don't know this because I message people every single day who go, how do I record a message? It's like, oh, 
Oh, how old is my community? How old is my community? Anyway, your phone will have, yes, even if you've got one of those silly Androids, you've got a phone memo app. And then you pull it out, you press record, you talk into... Now, you don't have to worry about where the mic is. It doesn't matter where the phone is. You can talk into the phone. Give me just a couple of minutes. Uh, I know some of you like to send me 20, 25 minutes. It's really hard, my friends, uh, when you send that long. I love hearing what you have to say. Don't get me wrong. But it's really hard to put that into the show. And then after you finish recording it, don't send it via Messenger or on Instagram or anything like that because it's difficult for us to get it off those apps, just hit the share button in your audio memo app and then hit the email and send it to our email, which is very easy, time to talk Australia at outlook.com. Okay, let's go and sit near the fireplace and talk about some more rubbish together. And don't go anywhere because later we're going to be talking a little bit more about that book and we'll be briefly talking about The Crown. It's coming back, my friends. Some of you are big Crown fans. I believe it's the final season coming up in November. So we're going to have a little chat about that too. It's great to have you listening. Whenever I listen to Tim and his panel of guests, my toes begin to curl and I feel just the right amount of tingling all over my aching body. Now, let's get back to the show. Oh! Now, did you know that Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend was stabbed to death? by a serial killer, or that Shirley Temple and other child actors of her time were forced to sit on blocks of ice if they misbehaved on set. I wish mother was here. And did you know that Betty White is literally older than sliced bread? If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. Tonight we're looking at pop shockers. We go behind the colourful veil of music, TV and film to expose some of the little-known facts and stories that pop lovers like us don't typically hear about. Lee and Paula are with me here in the fortress. Hello, friends. Good evening. Lee, listen, you and I have done this for a while. Pop culture is, it's usually all glitz, it's all glamour, it's Mm. smoke and mirrors, but behind the scenes, sometimes that's where you find the real juice, right? Mmm. Spackle over sandpaper is what they say. Spackle <laughs> over sandpaper. <laughs> mm. I love it. Yeah, that's it. And and Paula, you've dug up some dirt for us tonight too. And Lee, you have and I have. We're about to about to plow through it. What was it like looking for the dirt? Well, I found it a little bit conflicting. I'd come up with an idea and then I'd get a better idea. And then I'd get a better one again. So it was like I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'll do this. So I actually spent a fair bit of time doing research. So it was it was it was basically a lot of fun. Uh, well, I try to stay away from anything that I like because I don't want to be disappointed. So I don't I don't <laughs> want to find I don't want to find out that my like favorite favorite members of a band hate each other um, and are only doing it for the money. So I've stayed away from anything that could make me tearful. You didn't want to you didn't want to take the 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 glean off something you loved. Like you didn't want to find out that behind the scenes of Mrs. Doubtfire there were knife fights between <laughs> Robin Williams and the Flying Nun. No, I didn't that would make me sad. Yeah. That would yeah. make me very sad. <laughs> yeah. Or right, I'm going to kick us off. Like there's stuff here that I reckon most people will probably know, but it was news to me, I have to say. Did you did either of you even know in the first place this story gets a bit deeper that Mia Farrow was actually married to Frank Sinatra? Yes, I do knew that. 
But as it turns out, even though they got married and divorced, they remained friends every day. In fact, the, the quote that stands out to me is that every day, Frank, who was very distrustful of most people, there were three people he spoke to every day. Mia was one of them. Okay, so Wow. Yeah. But so here's mm. the thing, though. When, when she found out that Woody was having an affair with their adopted daughter, Sun Yi, I think it is. Yep. She, she was, you know, beside herself. She actually turned to Frank. She turned to him wow. and, and and he he offered, you know, that listening ear and that compassionate ear. But, Lee, what do you reckon um, Frank might offer above and beyond a bit of compassion and a listening ear? Oh, I don't know. How old was Because I'm thinking she must have been very young when she married him. She and was. He must, and he must have been quite, you know, he must have been not in the first flush of youth, I wouldn't have thought. Um, it's, a bit oh, strange. it's always the way, isn't it? Just just like Elvis, Frank, they all married 16, 17-year-olds, didn't oh, they? I wonder if it was the whole father figure thing then. I've just Googled it, and he was 30 years older than her. Oh, wow. goodness. Well, it doesn't she was 19, me, and he was 49 when they married. Wow. Okay, 19 and 49. Mm. Mia goes to, to Frank and is, you know, maybe like the father figure, I suppose you're talking about there, uh, Lee, but... <laughs> He he gives her a cuddle and then and then he goes off and and gets her a surprise gift. He ta- he tries to take out a contract to get Woody whacked. Oh. oh my goodness! Yes. So and this is this is absolutely true. He goes because he has links famously to the mob, mm. and um, there are all kinds of you know documented names in the story. I'm telling you here, which I won't go into, but just generally he approaches mob bosses, and he's like, first of all, I want him kneecapped. But he goes a step further. No, I'm actually going to. And she testified to that in court, by the way. She took it back and said, no, 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 I was only joking. And that's because her solicitor stood up and went, say no more, Miss Farrow. <laughs> so oh. she shut up. But as it turns out, he got a lot more. He was looking for a lot more than a kneecapping. He actually wanted Woody rubbed out. And he approached the mob bosses, but the mob actually acted with some ethics back then. And they were like, you know, we're not going to set that sort of precedent. You know, if we're going to start knocking people off for going and having affairs, then we're going to lose our reputation. That would be terrible for our for our image. Mm. Yes. I don't know what film it was, but he had had a bit of – he'd thrown a bit of shade, as they say, at Frank Sinatra by um, – in one of his films there was a character – and it was an aging loser musician who was over the peak of his career and pretty pathetic. And apparently ah. that character was based on Frank Sinatra. So I'm sure that would have infuriated old Blue Eyes as well. Wow. Well, I don't have anything as, as um, dramatic as that, but I have I have a little bit of information about um, Kylie's um, amazing Can't Get You Out of My Head, that song that was like number one all around the world. So, was that the gold hot pants one? No, it was the one oh. with the um, on the rooftop in the car. Well, she wasn't on the rooftop in the car, but she was in the car at some point. <laughs> and okay. um, um, I'm like thinking, what videos? So originally, it wasn't supposed to be her song. I always assumed that it oh. was written for her, but it wasn't. It was written by um, an, a, a, an artist called Kathy Dennis, who was a pop singing in her own right. But it was offered to lots of different people who turned it down before it was offered to Kylie. So it was offered to a pop group called S Club 7. Did you ever have those in Australia? Did they make it over? They did. 
It's yeah, so. the club. you <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so they offered it to them, and they didn't want it. They also offered it to um, Sophie Ellis Baxter, who is um, a British pop star. Murder um, on the dance floor. Yes, she didn't want it. So it was played to Kylie. So she was like looking for songs for her album and they played lots of different songs. And she was like, when they played I Can't Get You Out of My Head, she was like, I want it. I want it now. And insisted that within, it was like within 30 minutes, she was recording it. And and the rest is history. Completely different version too, Lee. The the one that the the demo was um, the one that she toured on the on a night like this tour around Mm. Britain and Australia. Uh, That's sort of like the demo-ish version, and I remember listening to that uh, in Sydney. And to my shame, I thought not much of it. I thought, yeah, it's all right. But Mm. then when they when I heard the produced version, geez, that was that was slick. But yeah, all these people knocked it back. How? How? Although you know, they would probably be beating themselves up. But you know, Kylie um, turned up toxic as well. Turned down. Toxic. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. And I think Rihanna she, turned it down as well, didn't she? A lot of people. It's odd. It, and that I think this is what happens in pop music, doesn't it? You would just assume that that hit song has always been that person's. It was written for them. But quite often, it was just it's just generically been written, and they just send it round to lots of different record companies and they go like, mm, no, nah, I don't really like that, no. Who can we give it to next? You know how Gaga started out as uh, writing songs for other artists? She wrote Telephone and Britney Spears, I'm sure it was Britney, recorded a demo of that. Um, and oh. then it wasn't released or used on an album, so Gaga did it and it's one of her best tracks. Wow, again, I did not know that. It's the same as Lady Gaga's just like she swallowed helium. i'm gonna have to listen to that what else have you got for us lee um oh let me think i've got some 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 film sort of in that we might not be aware of so were you a fan of jurassic park the original jurassic jurassic park yeah brilliant film and um so they the, in films, they create the noises for things using all sorts of different things. They have like sound stages. Um, but I was reading that, you know, the raptors, the ones, the kind of one, the really evil ones that ate everybody. Um, I love them. They were great, weren't they? Um, they the, the noise that they used to create their sound was... I'm um, sorry to interrupt, Lee. Please, can I guess? Please, can I guess? Was it Danny go- Minogue? Recording no. love and kisses. <laughs> Do you know it might? Have been, I think she was more like a diplodocus. I think they used it for that. <laughs> Do you know we there's so much hatred, not hatred for Danny on this podcast. We we we, we, we you know if she ever listens to it, there is no chance of her coming on the show. Is there? She's just no, no, not doing to blow my chances of an interview with Danny. Danny, I yeah, do love you. I've said nice things about her too. Yeah. So no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was the sound of tortoises making love. Oh, that no. they used. Oh my goodness! Who would think to go and record a couple of tortoises doing the wild? I didn't even wow. know tortoises made a noise. I thought they were mute, but apparently no. They make they, they make noises. Like I'm not going to do it, but I, I went Come and on, looked please on. Try, <laughs> please try. Go on, please. <laughs> they kind of go. <laughs> 
like that. So <laughs> don't you? Like my wedding night. <laughs> so um, they kind of put it through computers and stuff, and you know, added they added horses breathing and geese hissing <laughs> as well to to create the sound of a raptor. Um, but from now, if I ever if I ever watch that film again, all I'm going to be thinking of is tortoises at it. When they come on, <laughs> you know um, the Tyrannosaurus in it. You know the really, really evil big one. That was Nolene Hogan reading her divorce settlement. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <Edited>. yes. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. I'm never going to watch that film the same way again. Sometimes amateurs know best, and a lack of professionalism is all you'll hear on the Time to Talk show. Join Tim and his panel of guests as they wade their way through a range of news, music, and pop culture treats. Time to Talk, the show hosted by amateurs for unprofessional listeners. Amateurs, is this the best that they could do? I, I couldn't believe this one. On uh, Ashton Kutcher, he had a girlfriend, Ashley Ellerin. Um, and he went to her house to pick her up. They were going out together, and uh, he was offended because he thought he'd been stood up and you're knocking on the door and all of that sort of stuff, and he just thought, okay, I've been stood up, literally. Uh, he looked through a window, and <clears throat> he described seeing red wine spilt all over the floor. As it turned oh. out, that was – no, it wasn't, it wasn't red, red wine. wine. And, yeah, Ashley had been murdered, <clears throat> stabbed repeatedly – by she had 47 stab wounds and it turned out to be a serial killer well known uh, Michael Gagulio Gagulo I think his name is but he was better known as the boy next door killer or chiller killer or the Hollywood Ripper oh, yeah, yeah. and um, he's just been sentenced to death uh, in very very recently but yeah wow. that's not yeah. good pick us back up Lee Oh, do you want do you want a story about the Wizard of Oz or a story about ET? Let's go down a Wizard of Oz rabbit hole, and I'll help you out if that's all right because I've got about okay. sixty here. So, did you know that in in the scenes where um, it was snowing, they used asbestos as as snowflakes because oh. apparently in in the United States and Europe at the time, everybody used these kind of abestos flakes to create fake snow. So that kind of scene where the snow is coming down is abestos. On The Wizard of Oz, I mean, that's shocking to be... Anyway, look, lots of those weird things happened in industries back then when we didn't know better, I suppose. But Shirley Temple was originally slated to play Dorothy. In the Wizard of Oz, oh, oh. Okay, she and was the wasn't... massive popular star, wasn't she at the time? Absolutely, and the dog who played Toto in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I like this one. It's I shouldn't. He 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 earned more than any of the Munchkins. You're kidding. Oh. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No, it is. Isn't it? It's kind of like thing. Oh, what? Well, it's Munchkin discrimination. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think they had a very good time on the set of Wizard of Oz the Munchkins. I don't think they were treated very nicely. 
Wow. I think I'm surprised anybody made it out of that film alive because didn't they use like lead paint to paint the man that was the tin man? And wasn't there something <laughs> toxic in the green paint that they painted the witch with? I don't think anybody was safe in that film. It was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a poisonous set. Oh, dear. Paula, have you got another one? One thing, I, I know that uh, you're both quite a fan of the Golden Girls. The the theme song, Thank You For Being A Friend, that's one of my favourite songs. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was not the original choice for the theme song. Oh, dear. The the original theme song that was slated was Bette Midler's Friends. Yes, I did hear oh. that, actually, yeah. Yeah, but apparently the licensing fee to, to use it was going to be so extreme that they went with little-known singer Andrew Gold's song, Thank You For Being A Friend, which, yeah, as I said, it's, it's just an amazing song. I love it's it. It's a great song. But it would have been nice. I'm still glad that there is a Bette Midler link to the Golden Girls somewhere. Yes. That makes sense to me. Yes, that is nice. I've got some yeah. little little smaller nuggets as well. The movie Titanic costs more money to film than the actual ship cost to build. Wow. Do you remember the scene in Pretty Woman where the, the necklace case snaps? Yes. Julie yes. Fingers? All improvised. That natural yes, I knew reaction that. is 100% oh. what she did in the time. <clears throat> That's why it's so, and it's such a famous laugh, isn't it? And yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. scene. And in The Exorcist, you can go and look up the stills if you're that way inclined. There's a man called Paul Bateson. He played uh, a radiologist's assistant in The Exorcist. He's actually on film. You can see him. And it turns out he was actually a convicted murderer who had dismembered and killed gay men in the late 70s. I had read that somewhere, yes. And I've seen the... the, Yeah. Wow. Why do they always have a name like that, a serial killer? Paul Bateson. (laughs) Like he was born to be a serial killer. (laughs) It's like if you named your child Jeeves. I mean, they're going to be a limousine driver, aren't they? Or a butler. Or a butler. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It hasn't really worked for Madonna, though, has it? She she hasn't gone down that route of her name. She's gone completely (laughs) the opposite direction. She she has. She reinvented it. Yes, that's true, as she tends to do. Lee, you're going to tell us about some more film trivia. I am, yeah. E.T., one of my all-time favourite films that I can watch over and over again. But originally, it was supposed to, it was going to be a very, very different film. So, originally, Steven Spielberg was going to produce um, a filmmaker called John Sayles's script called Night Skies, which was about a rural family invaded by aliens that could kill with a touch of their finger. Um, So E.T. was originally going to be an evil killer with a killer finger. Um, But then he... (laughs) <laughs> then he decided that he wasn't he was going to go down a more family friendly route and did ET but um he then the idea that he kind of had he kept and then made poltergeist out of it i'm not quite sure how he made poltergeist out of it because i don't think there's any killer aliens with fingers in that one but um <laughs> on oh, press I missed that but yeah and that and that I was like oh, wow can you imagine Lee it... so Steven Spielberg you know he's sitting there in you know a fancy leather chair with his cigar and his spectacles and a little lamp and he's reading the script for ET and people are killing each other and the family's been massacred and Drew Barrymore's lying dead on the floor <laughs> oh she was so cute in that movie he puts it down he stubs out his cigar and he goes I'm gonna ask for a rewrite <laughs> yeah I'm not feeling exactly it exactly how it played out do you know, here's another fun fact, that E.T. 
the actual uh, what it ended up looking like was based on my grandmother. <laughs> Is that so? Really? Well, that's what our family says anyway. We, we, you know, we assume that they got hold of one of the photos and, um, yeah, there you go. We've got this Australian woman and we think she'd make a great alien. <laughs> or Sophia from the Golden Girls, possibly. <laughs> well, when she has the, when he has the wig on at some point, when he's dressed him up for Halloween, there is a bit of a Golden Girls vibe about him. Do you not think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there I can. Uh, yes, there is. I can see that. <laughs> and talking about the Golden Girls, Betty White is literally older than sliced bread. Oh, isn't that wonderful? She turned all potty mouth, though. I think to get the laughs these days, she has to go yeah, on late true. night talk show and and oh, just. But use there's no, there's nothing funnier than a really really old lady saying really rude words. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. I was about to say, it's like, it's akin to hearing little children swearing. That is always funny. But old people swearing is also, especially Betty White, because she's like an icon. Yeah. But, yeah, I love that. I love the fact that she has got yeah, a possibility. She's, yeah. yeah, she's 97 years old as we speak today. She was born in 1970. Wow. I thought she was older. Yeah, okay. So the first time a pre-sliced loaf of bread was sold <laughs> was over six years later in 1928 <laughs> oh my goodness so what that do you reckon Lee? Should we be, you know when people say it's the best thing since sliced bread should we change that update it's the best, best thing, thing since, since Betty White it's definitely yeah <laughs> yes yeah. I'm gonna do that <laughs> okay were both of you fans of the film The Bodyguard uh, I would yes. say a fan but I've, I've seen it and it's a good movie I had a feeling Lee would go, yes. But <laughs> yes. Probably more the soundtrack than the film. It's a great soundtrack. Okay. Obviously propelled Whitney Houston to fame. But but get this. They were going to make a sequel. And this is not just speculation. This is the real deal. They were in talks with Princess Diana to play the lead female role in Bodyguard. Yes. Too. No way. I heard that. Yes. It's a real thing. Costner himself has confirmed it. He said that um, he was explaining the plot would have involved the character protecting Diana from stalkers, the paparazzi, before their relationship eventually turned romantic, as it does, because that's what females tend to do. They need to fall in love with the masculine, you know, the man who knows all. Um, he, He said a first script for the project arrived on his desk the very day before Diana died in her car crash oh, on the 1st of oh, August 97. Wow. Mm. But I don't think that should have ever been made if she's if if the what happened hadn't happened. That was exactly. I nearly I nearly said something really inappropriate then and I edited myself in my head. I nearly said that would have been a car crash and I stopped myself. Oh, um, Lee. oh um but no they should it should never have happened. That couldn't that wouldn't have been good, would it? No, no. Well, who knows? She might. I mean, look, she loved. She was very theatrical. She loved. It. Remember that time she went out and did Uptown Girl on stage? Yes, really embarrassed. Charles hated that. Oh, he did. did. Yeah, and she made. Mm. You know, she she. I don't know if she danced with John Travolta. Singer. She did. Yes, absolutely. She was very elegant. But oh, she was beautiful. Costner recalled that he and Diana had discussed the film in some detail, and this is the quote from him. I just remember her being incredibly sweet on the phone, and she asked the question, are we going to oh, – oh, hang on. <coughs> uh, are we going to have have a, a kissing scene? And Costner <laughs> said – she said it in a very respectful, nervous way because of the way her life was governed. And I said, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of that. But we can make that okay. 
I would have liked to have seen like Whitney coming in at a certain point and going, he's mine. And then having like a massive fight, like yes. a dynasty style fight in a, in a, in a fountain and everything. Yeah. Fake up any white woman in my house for. <laughs> I don't care if she's royal. I, I'm the queen of the night. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Hey, Lee, my favorite part. If you think that's fascinating, Here's the best, most delicious tidbit of this story. Guess who was behind it all? All of it. Was it Betty White? (laughs) (laughs) It was Sarah Ferguson. Oh. Who else would it be, right? Who else would it be? So on that note, has this been fun? Oh, so much. Fun and horrific at the same time. (laughs) Yes, a little bit of darkness and a little bit of light. It's all good. Fun and horrific at the same time. That sounds like chewing the cud, Lee. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the the, the, the TV show that I I co present over in the UK, which is is laden oh. with smut and um, innuendo um, and filth. Um, well, so yeah, so I, I urge everybody to go check it, go check it out. We don't we haven't had any tortoises mating on it yet, but that could possibly be something. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not yet. Planet but, Where can people see it? They can see it if they type. The TV into their preferred search engine thing. I'm not very technical. It should come up. Uh, I've just found it. And Paula, it's been a pleasure having you on the show too. Thank I know that this so is all much. new to you, but you are a pop culture fiend. I I do love it, I have to say. And this has been so much fun. Paula is a lady, Lee, who has watched uh, Prisoner, Cell Block H, um, the whole thing remembering that there's more than 600 episodes about a dozen times. Yeah, wow. 692 to be precise. And she's only 19 years old, so I don't know how she's <laughs> I know. That hey, is dedication. I was, I was very impressed with myself. When we were talking last week, Tim, and I was trying to remember which episode Joan Ferguson entered the series, and I was like, oh, it's about 287, I think, but don't quote me. Well, it was actually 284. I was three episodes oh, off. Oh, wow. And that was that, just off the top of my head. That is disturbing levels of knowledge right there. <laughs> oh. I know, I was a little bit disturbed myself, but then, then I was, like, proud as well. <laughs> uh, well, say hello to your sister, Cairo, for us, and if people Certainly want to hear will. more of Paula, uh, if people want to hear more of Paula, they can listen to our podcast about prisoners. So block h which we have recently uploaded thanks lee thanks paula thank you both i've had a ball you may leave totally the welcome david and henrik how are you hi wait I, no now i hear you henrik says wait wait don't start no i have to put in i have to put in both here here earplugs so i i can hear can i tell you both a very sad story. Can I start off with a sad story? Sure. Surely this has happened to you before, I don't know. But I last night was just ready for bed and I thought, you know what, I never do this, never. But I want milk. I just want milk, plain milk. I don't want anything in it. I don't want it to be corrupted. I don't want it flavoured. I just want milk. So I went up and there was barely anything in the bottle. And I knew that would ruin my morning routine. So I stood there with the bottle and I went, you know what, screw it. And I drank the whole thing out of the bottle, which is also very unlike me to drink anything out of a bottle. But since it was not going to go back in the fridge, I've woken up this morning. You can probably hear a croaky voice. It's very early here in Australia. I went upstairs. I do a whole routine. I'm a very routine person. Loose leaf, beautiful teapot. Did the whole thing, and then I, while it's brewing, I go and do the two or three chores that I have to do every morning. Came back, 
poured the tea, and guess what? You can guess it, Henrik. You, you know where this story's heading, don't you? No milk. No milk. That's right. Oh. It's the sad story. So I'm sitting here with an overly brewed, well, brewed for milk tea, and it's very, very bitter. A bit like Madonna's soul. Oh, the shade is the deep. I don't think that's a sad story, Tim. <laughs> you don't think that's a, I'm really sad sitting here. I'm staring at this beautiful, ornate cup that I use with black tea, and it's much, much better for you, apparently. Much healthier. Much You're getting all the antioxidants. So I'm trying to convince myself and rationalize as human beings do. But I'm, I'm not happy. It would do it fine. You reckon I'll be okay? All right. Well, you. funnily enough, it's not me who should be worried. It's both of you. You know, my mood affects the whole thing. It's a terrible <laughs> thing, isn't it? We can handle your grumpiness. You reckon? <laughs> we'll see um, about that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still recovering from my third leg surgery and my hubby is sick. So, yeah, your problem seems very difficult to me right now. You're recovering from what, Henrik? What surgery? Uh, I have done my third third leg surgery, and I'm leg. preparing for the fourth. So, oh, you poor thing. Okay, well, thanks for um, making me feel incredibly bad about myself. Now, <laughs> I don't know what you call it in English, but uh, I'm, it's the thing that, no offense, older women had with the very visible veins on, on, outside on the. Veins. Yeah, I have done it for a third time now. Wow. Hang on. So can I ask, is that a health issue or a vanity issue? Do you have to get rid of them for health reasons Both. or because you don't like the look? Both. I mean, uh, I cannot uh, exercise properly because my legs feels like bricks. So, oh. And I get very tired. So, yeah, both van for vanity and for health reasons, I have to do it. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the six months. I'm scheduled for my fourth time. So. Oh, wow. David, do I need to edit out the tea story now? It just seems wrong. <laughs> I mean, you probably you probably won't because you you love sympathy from your view from your listeners. So <laughs> <laughs> I get none. Oh. Believe me, I get none. Hey, look, we're here to talk about three quick topics today because there is so much going on that we just have to cram it all in. It's like what a time to be a pop culture um, fiend. It's so exciting, but we can't start any podcast at the moment without talking about the celebration tour as we speak people are sending me photos from the stadium i don't think she's quite gone on stage for show number maybe four or five now so what's your take david on the celebration tour so far i know you've sent us a little something that we'll be putting in this podcast but briefly what's your general take yes i sure did send you a little snippet actually uh as the days progress uh, I'm, I'm finding that there's a, a little more positivity than negativity. And uh, I, I tell you, her fans are standing right by her. And there's been a lot of positive reinforcement in terms of, obviously, her set list, which I think is fantastic. Uh, just, the, you know, her incorporating her children, which is really sweet. And the fact that she's been a little more warm and fuzzy on stage. I love that about Madonna. Yeah, I'm finding this, Henrik, to be quite a modest show like nobody's talking about that i haven't heard the word used and when i say modest i mean humility she's not um as obscene as she has been in the past it's still got its shock value in there i've still seen the crudeness but nothing by madonna's standards as far as i'm concerned what are you making henrik you've been excited by this tour too 
I mean, I saw photos posted online and I saw little snippets, you know, clips here and there. And but I tried to avoid as much as possible. But I watched <gasps> the photos and clips Ooh. and be like, "Damn, I want those tickets now." So I mean, I'm gonna say you still got the Madonna vibe, but you got she has tied it in with a little bit more style, a little bit. It's more polished with the touch of the erotica of Madonna. So I was like. I have to go and watch this in two weeks. Well, I know you've got your tickets, Henrik, and she's limping her way over to your side of the continent very soon, apparently. So you should be starting to psych yourself up, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I th- I, well, I, what I've seen about the concert is beyond my expectations of what she has done, and she's going to do the hung-up songs. I was like, yay! People were just dying for her to come out late. They were dying for her to come out late. She comes out late once out of the four or five shows so far, and she's been crucified for it. Yeah. Yes. Well, actually, it was Sunday night. It was the second night where I, I, I came across a couple articles where the fans were saying, come on, we spend good money on you. Just get on stage a little earlier. Because when you completely cut off the encore four songs, you end on Rain. And, you know, I was doing a lot of research and I tell you, her fans, and I'm a huge fan too, but everyone, you know what? She gave us two hours. We're still happy. We're still satisfied. So people are giving her a free pass. I I would not be happy if I missed a Madonna encore. That's for sure. You're one of the harsh ones. See, look, she still gave a full show. She can choose what's in the show. People go, she left four songs out. She left four songs out. Well, not really. She did the that's four the different encore, songs tonight. Oh, was it the encore, was it? Well, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but, but, David, hear me out. I mean, look, you've got to feel for her. Before the show, as her car pulls up at the venue, it takes her 20 minutes to manoeuvre her leg out of the car these days. <laughs> you've got to give her some grace. <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually the hard one on Madonna. Now you're taking my place. I love it. It works. I'm I'm try I'm staying busy with other things. So but I, I wanna see something, I'll be like, no, no, I don't wanna see it. I don't want any spoilers. I wanna give my fold I mean I wanna see it for the first time when I'm there in Stockholm uh, October twenty in ten days. I was like, I wanna see it for the first time. Don't give me any spoilers. No. <laughs> Ah, well, as I sip my bitter tea, feeling bitterness (laughs) about the fact that she's not coming to Australia at all, I'm going to segue us into a very interesting topic, Britney's book. Now, it's not often that a superstar like Britney releases a tell-all memoir. What are you hearing, David, about um, Britney's book, and do you care? Well, I've been a fan of Britney since the beginning, and I've always been a cheerleader for her because she's a sweet soul. Uh, I do care. I I feel what just came out yesterday, one of the tidbits, biggest tidbits on the book, mm-hmm. pre-release, is, is the abortion she had with Justin. Oh, dear. And, you know, this girl's damaged. She's, she's had a lot of crap. And I think a lot of people have taken advantage of, of her talent and just, you know, threw her to the wolves. It's – and she's – I, I worry about her mental capacity and the future for her. I don't want her to end up dead in five years. I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I'm, I was, I'm, there are some parts of her career I'm very f- interested in to read. 
I mean, the Justin Timberlake allegations that David talked about come, that come out yesterday, I was like, wow. And then uh, I, I remember she was saying that her biggest regret was the uh, I'm a Slave for You performance with the big yellow pay, path, pay, the big snake. And I want to read about that. I mean, I mean the the woman who was in the twenties in the early thirties. I mean, I saw the passion, I saw the sparks, I saw the fire. But then I see her perform for a few years, few years ago. I was like, everything is robotic. I don't see any passion in your eyes. There's nothing there. I want to see what happened. Henrik, she's been under every drug under the sun. I, the downfall for me is when she married Jason Alexander, and then they had that marriage annulled, and then she met. Um, uh, what's his name? Hello, Kevin Federline. And from then on, that's when it just seemed to, you know, she had her babies young and she was still in the spotlight. And then she was partying with, with Paris and Lindsay. And then it just all started spiraling from there. And the shaving of the head and obviously on every drug under the sun, it's going to, it's going to warp your mind. It doesn't look like he's returning, Henrik. Oh, okay. Have, have it, you know why? No. Let's talk about The we Crown. One one. Same theme. It's the same theme. Season 6 is coming out on the 16th of November. Now, I will make myself sound like a nincompoop here. I was really amazed. I looked at the trailer for it and went, oh, my God, 23 million views. Then I realized I was not looking at the views. I was looking at the subscribers to Netflix. <laughs> so, a bit embarrassing. But it still had an impressive amount of views. It's up to a couple of million, I think. But um, listen, David, I know you are more than a, a fan, I don't even think it's the right word, of Princess Diana. I have to be honest with you, Tim, because um, I, I watched the first two two seasons and a little bit of the third. And honestly, because I am such a huge uh, Princess Diana fan, I waited in line three hours to, to f at the British consulate here in my city after she died to, to write in her book uh, a special passage I wanted to write to her and her sons. Um, so, yeah, I guess you would call me a mega fan, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't bear to watch what they were going to uh, write about her, portray her. Um, so I've watched snippets here and there, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. And all my friends and family, like they're like, you're the biggest fan. You How could you turn your back? I'm like, because it's, I would say probably three quarters of it is rubbish. I can't, I can't. And I, I just, I look, and Diana had her flaws. Absolutely. But there was no other woman on the planet like her, and I don't think we'll ever have anybody like her again. You know. Why do people watch The Crown? Do you think? I think it's just a whole fascinate, fascination with the uh, royalty. I mean, the thing is that our, if you're gonna compare, I think our Swedish royalties in Sweden, I think they are more open to the public with our king and with our royal royal couple and then we have Prin princess victoria who is next united the crown on the throne i mean i think i think the british royalty are more mystery you don't know anything about them they are just so protecting about their image and i think that is the reason people are so fascinated with the british royalty and 
I'm gonna say David may hate me now, but watching the season four of The Crown, I mean, and you, you know the whole Charles Camilla love story, and he couldn't get her because she was a divorcee, and he has to, he was basically forced to marry Diana, and that crashed and burned. And now you look at Charles and Diana, Charles and Camilla today, and be like, they should have each other from the beginning but the uh, Paul Carlin and the kids said that Camilla wasn't good enough and I mean and if they had each other years ago we would never have met Diana Henrik and David it's been fun intermittent but fun thank you as always it's been an absolute pleasure having you here in the pop fortress for a little while please send us a message time to talk Australia at outlook.com I'll see you next time take care